I'm Samantha Olds Fry, CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, and this is Sam Says, a podcast series focused on Illinois Medicaid managed care. Hello, I'm Durando Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we sit down with trusted partner Chris Gay of Care Advisors to discuss value based social care management. But first, let me welcome our host, the Sam and Sam Says, Samantha Olds Fry of I'm Hip. Sam, how are you today? I'm fabulous. How are you, Durandal? I am doing well, doing well. We got an exciting show today. Uh, we next would like to introduce our special guest and again, trusted partner, Chris Gay, who serves as the Chief Executive Officer for Care Advisors. Chris, welcome to Sam Says. Thank you so much, Durandal. Appreciate it. Great to see you again, Sam. We appreciate, uh, Chris, you being here today, and uh, we're definitely incredibly excited to dive into today's discussion on value-based social care management. But before we do that, please tell us a bit more about Care Advisors. Uh, thanks. So Care Advisors uh, focuses on social care management, where we offer a technology platform integrated with live expert assistance where we contract directly with hospitals and health plans to help them address the unmet social needs for their vulnerable populations in areas including government benefits and community-based social services. And building upon that, Chris, because I think it's so critical, what you do at Care Advisors has been important for years, but what we saw over the past 14 months or so is just how critical um, these types of services are and connecting social determinants of health and addressing social determinants of health mm-hmm. and, and the importance on, on that, on the clinical space and clinical outcomes. So in Illinois and across the country, all of this was exacerbated, sort of that impact of social determinants of health right. um, and, and living in under-resourced communities. How do you think that impact or or that exacerbation of circumstances what has that done to the national social care landscape or and how's that impacting illinois specifically from your vantage point oh it's really interesting and uh we've definitely seen generally health equity is is a well-known problem and the disparities that exist in terms of mortality higher mortality and morbidity rates amongst vulnerable communities Um, a lot of which make up, you know, diverse ethnic backgrounds. And in the midst of the pandemic, you saw that exacerbated significantly. We've had uh, town halls and virtual roundtables throughout the country, uh, including here in Illinois with uh, Congressman Danny Davis, uh, as well as several hospitals and health plans. Uh, We had participation from frontline workers, at uh, in care management, social workers, as well as community-based organizations. And, and universally, they all communicated how access to food and housing resources were already strained. And then the pandemic um, was the, the, the final straw where you had organizations, you know, shut down, dealing with budget constraints, finding resources. And then that was a snowball effect throughout the community. Um, the, the individual health is so critically important and access to these social services is a critical component of that. If you think about the opportunities um, that we're seeing in addressing these problems, 
uh, it really um, harkens back to kind of the landscape that I saw back in 2010 with the electronic health record market, where everyone um, in the hospital space knew the electronic health record was important, but there was just moderate adoption. You saw maybe about a 10 or 15% hospitals around the country had them. And then all of a sudden you had a catalyzing event and significant uh, resources from the federal government under the Affordable Care Act offered subsidies. And within three years, by 2014, 80% um, of the hospitals throughout the country had an electronic health record and we were in a new world. And I think that's where we're at with social care management. If you look at Illinois with the recent HFS transformation project, they'll be investing at least $150 million uh, supporting innovation projects to transform delivery to Medicaid patients. Um, <clears throat> you saw programs like that in New York and Michigan historically uh, that are reviving under the new administration. Uh, California has instituted new legislation allowing Medicaid managed care organizations to contract directly with community-based organizations to provide support. So it's really a transformative wave here that's, I think, driven by a bit of the pandemic and how much people were, were facing those challenges in that time frame. I cannot agree more with you on sort of, I, I really appreciate your comparing it back to electronic health records because there, there have been so many, P, and that uh, transition and adoption, because there have been so many things that have been highlighted over the past 14 months or so that have really sort of geared up this conversation and this refocus. And I think you and I know this, but I want to just make sure we like sort of remind our listeners that while they're often talked about together, Social determinants of health and a, a strategy for social determinants of health is separate and apart from a strategy for health equity. Um, and those things, they, they, they matter together, but equity in and of itself, um, while it'll have some roles on social determinants of health, having a social determinant of health policy does not necessarily mean you have a healthcare equity policy. And I think it's just important that we make sure that our listeners recognize those things are often talked about together, um, but they are separate and important and distinct components of healthcare policy. Yeah, no, that's, that's right, Sam. I, they're so closely related, it's easy to conflate the two as they're the same thing. Um, you know, as you think about health equity and health disparity challenges, it, it's really a focus on where you're looking at clinical outcomes, access and other metrics where you see vulnerable populations just on unequal footing for a myriad of reasons that would definitely outpace the length of this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to address them from the angle of looking at how social services impact healthcare is where we look at the social determinants of health. And a lot of those strategies fall across, depend how you measure it, anywhere from 20 to 28 different domains but the primary drivers have been food, housing, caregiver support, transportation uh, amongst the leaders. And, and we really see the problem as, if you look at the data nationwide, $200 billion in avoidable healthcare costs are attributed to unaddressed social needs. And housing being the biggest driver with over $100 billion of those costs. And then right behind that is food security challenges, 
uh, issues addressing social isolation and transportation. Right. And I think that's so key is that we know that these social determinants of health drive poor healthcare outcomes mm-hmm. and drive costs. Like, so this isn't sort of a mystery to folks in the healthcare space. No, not at all. It, it's just that we haven't focused on them or really sort of tied those together. I think there are a myriad of reasons. I know if you're in Illinois, um, part of it just comes down to silos and budgets. And oftentimes mm-hmm. the social determinants of health are in one budget and then the Medicaid program and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are is in another budget. And so there's not necessarily that holistic conversation. And actually, as Illinois transitioned to managed care, we saw that holistic conversation kind of rise up and sort of be- become um, sort of more prevalent. And a piece of that was the MCOs yeah. were coordinating care for our members. And we saw time and time again, not surprising that housing, food, um, you know, uh, transportation, those were the main issues. It wasn't, I can't get my medication. It was, well, I can get my medication, but if I don't have a home, it's not exactly top of mind. Or if I'm a diabetic and I can't get access to healthy foods, I can't manage my diabetes, whether or not I have insulin. Or, or not in a not in the way that I should be doing. Yeah, no, it's it's a well known problem. The health plans know about it. Uh, Medicaid, managed care, uh, Medicare Advantage, uh, hospital executives know about it. Many of them are starting departments dedicated to it. When we unpack the issues, I, why it really has been a ongoing issue. There's a couple of factors. One, it's about the data. Um, hospitals and health plans through no fault of their own are missing about half the patient data that they need. Um, Every time a individual patient goes to an out-of-network hospital, the ability to get that data back for an emergency room visit, a hospitalization, including your discharge summary, medication list, all of those elements, if you can't see the data, you can't manage the patient. Um, I think right behind that, there's more than 80% of the hospitals throughout the country that have rolled out some social care management strategies to address these factors, but the overwhelming majority don't have a sustainable funding stream. So they're in a patchwork fashion using grant programs and pulling from other budgets to try and get these programs off the ground, but they're really expensive. Uh, So a lot of the work can be manual. So where you have, you can imagine for a complex case with multiple social needs, you could spend over $1,000 in staff time, over 30 hours uh, uh, for several months addressing this. And that's just the complicated cases. Then you gotta think about some of the impossible cases where you find a patient who needs help with housing and there's just no housing available. Or you're trying to make a referral to a food pantry and the only food pantries that's available is open on a Wednesday for two hours, once a month. And now what are you supposed to do? That's just an impossible case to address. Right. And I think we've seen on the housing piece as plans have looked at trying to address that is that if it's the health plan that's addressing housing, if a member loses Medicaid coverage or switches plans or anything else, then what happens to that housing support that's being funded by the health plan. And and those are real tricky questions that don't have simple, straightforward answers. Um, 
that we're all sort of grappling with. And we've definitely seen sort of the sustainability discussion come up more and more. So last year, the health plans um, invested about 100 million, Medicaid health plans in Illinois invested about 100 million in social determinants of health and, and to help our providers. Um, and then this year we're investing about another 70 million, but that was really unique funding associated with the fact that we're in this public health emergency. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what does that look like in 2022 and beyond? We're hoping to, in 2021, to have a better sense of mm-hmm. sort of the um, the sustainability of some of the programs we do, maybe put the investment money now, but then the long-term mm-hmm. um, costs, um, you know, see that through healthcare savings, but it's, it's not, it's not perfect and, it, and it's tricky. And as you said, there's this other cost that I don't think people fully appreciate, which, which is all that staff time of mm-hmm. setting it up, yeah. of reviewing it, of mm-hmm. making sure that the programs work. And that's on top of the actual investment for whatever the program is. How do you recruit members in? So innovation like this isn't easy, but no. you guys do it. And so what are you guys seeing? How are you doing it? Um, what are some of the sort of the best practices you've seen? Because you've really, well, we talk about this now over the last 14 months or so, you guys have been in this game longer than that. So mm-hmm. what have you learned and, and how are you making all of these complicated things work? Yeah, you know, I think the secret sauce and what makes our approach unique is the ability to combine technology for automation, where you can get access to, for example, for entitlement programs, income verification is so critical. Uh, Having to take paper copies of pay stubs or hard copies of tax returns down to a local library in the middle of a pandemic to upload them, uh, impossible. Uh, Challenging at best outside of the pandemic. So by leveraging existing data resources where we're integrated into large employer payroll systems like ADP and paychecks, uh, the ability to integrate with IRS tax transcripts, pull that data electronically, submit it to the state electronically, set up a fast track program for medical necessity. So if you have an upcoming surgical procedure where your, your child is in the midst of oncology treatment, you're able to get that expedited so your same day next day approval for some of these benefits is a huge impact and then combining that with developing a holistic view of the patient where you can get real-time clinical data not just from your hospital but from all the hospitals in a service area medication lists test results Uh, we've included uh, covid uh, data fields for COVID tests and immunization status. Uh, Those are critical. And then tying that in a framework that's a value-based social care. So an alternative payment method that leverages cost savings that not only support the program, but that cost savings can be reinvested into community-based organizations and underserved communities to expand capacity. So those impossible cases where there's no housing, where there's not enough resources for a food pantry can now become possible. Um, And we've been doing some great innovative work, but we've also seen the health plans kind of universally um, really step up with a ton of creativity. Um, I know recently you had a great webinar with uh, Meridian Health Plan, where they talked about some of their great work in maternal child health 
uh, that's been some really exciting things, improving uh, health equity and disparities uh, in that community. Um, Blue Cross Blue Shield has been extraordinarily innovative with their Blue Door program, getting into the community. Um, you know, I know they recently opened up, uh, now I think their third site. Um, Aetna Better Health uh, and Molina have been really proactive on their quality improvement programs, uh, both uh, getting incentives down to the individual member, but also including the provider in a lot of those incentive programs to improve engagement. So I think universally, it's a team effort. Um, and we're finding a lot of great partners out there that are excited, that are looking for opportunities. And um, I think that's what makes it work. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. When healthcare is done right, it's a team effort. Uh, and it's a team effort, not just at the health plan, not just at the provider level, but it's sort of all of us in the industry working together. Um, and, and Chris, I, I just really appreciate all the work you're doing and sort of streamlining processes so that the the health plans, the providers, everybody can focus on the members and, you know, that the, the paperwork stuff that, you know, that those other things become easier so mm -hmm. we can use our resources in the most impactful way. And I want to ask us sort of, we wrap up, what is sort of the one thing that met, uh, that our listeners should, you know, like focus on or sort of the one thing that you've learned over the past 14 months that sort of sticks with you um, and you hope to focus on uh, in the next 14 months? So I think we're just at a great inflection point in addressing these classic problems that we've seen coming down the pike for so long. And um, we've had to, under many circumstances, you know, get so much done by ourselves as organizations or individuals. And it's even been exacerbated in the pandemic where you're locked up and you're by yourself. You know, um, this is a real unique opportunity as we're coming on the spring and we have this opportunity for things opening up, uh, hopefully with the rest of the world, um, that we need to remember that all these problems that you were trying to solve by yourself, um, that there are opportunities to collaborate, you know, throughout uh, the state. Um, and those opportunities or collaborate are really how the problem is solved. Um, you, you spend so much time seeing things from your, your own angle. As you build these collaborations with diverse organizations from different perspectives in every dimension, you're going to have the opportunity to learn so much. And um, you can really run so much faster and further as a team together. So as the world opens up, as we see new funding coming into the social care management space, I think the opportunity to collaborate is critical. And I think we're at a once in a generational point in terms of healthcare uh, and, and potential transformation in social care management. So take advantage of it, find good partners, collaborate, don't try and solve the problems by yourself. As much as you have these great organizations with tons of resources and really bright people, uh, finding partnership, uh, it can make all the difference in the world. I love okay. that. 
Yeah, I, I do too. And I wish I could have let you guys continue talking for you guys could have talked for another hour, at least on just the last topic alone. But unfortunately, we're going to have to cut it there. Uh, Chris, uh, great conversation. Uh, we would warmly welcome you to come back to continue this conversation with Sam on a future episode of Sam Says, if you don't mind. Thanks so much. Really appreciate the time and great seeing you guys again and, and look forward to uh, coming back sometime. Thank you, sir. Uh, and a special thank you again to Chris Gay and, and Care Advisors for taking some time to talk with us today. Sam, before we close out, um, that was a great conversation between you and Chris. Anything in particular that you found super interesting or you know, perhaps something that you didn't know that you're going to be tracking as, as we head forward into the future? You know, what I would say is Chris had uh, his final point sort of made me fully appreciate during this pandemic, we collaborated and worked together because we needed to there was, you know, an emergency at hand. And the recognition that we need to do that going forward once we sort of come out of this pandemic and that we need to encourage that um, was something I hadn't fully thought of or appreciated because it has become second nature for the last 14 months um, that it's sort of an all hands on deck situation. Um, but that's not how we did healthcare 14 months ago or two years mm -hmm. ago. And especially in the Medicaid space, um, so, you know, needing to be purposeful about that going forward, I think is, is critical. Wonderful. Okay, um, great episode again. And if you like what you've heard, uh, we encourage you to visit the I'm Hip website at imhip.net. That's I-A-M-H-P.net to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. We also encourage you to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And if you're interested in becoming a trusted partner like Care Advisors, I encourage you to reach out to I'm Hip's Chief Operating Officer, Elena Kennedy, or again, visit the website at imhip.net. On behalf of Sam and the wonderful team at I'm Hip, again, I'm DeRondo Beverly with the Gemini Group. We thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sam Says. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.